0: Welcome to the Deeply Discussing Movie Podcast. On this show, every week we discuss a movie and then one of the podcasters suggests the next movie for us to watch and discuss. All of these movies are available from the major streaming service so that you can participate with us. Joining me this week is Alicia Walker. Hello. Christine Deacon. Hello. Aaron Caldwell. Hello. Nathan McKinney. Hello. And Josh Dean. Hi. And today we will be discussing Nathan's suggestion, You Can Count on Me from 2000. Uh, but first, we will talk about what we've been watching lately. Alicia, what have you been watching lately?
1: Uh, we finally finished Lovecraft Country, so we had taken a big hiatus from that, partially because we were kind of having some trouble getting through a few episodes. But um, it started to pick up a lot at the end, and we enjoyed that. And then it, I think, though, ultimately at the end, we were kind of disappointed with the last episode and how it ended. But, but at least we finally got some closure. And, and it did have some high points, I think, for sure. Uh, something else we watched this week was One Night in Miami, So we just watched that the other night, the new uh, Regina King film. Yeah. Um, How was that? It it was very good. It uh, was based on a play, and uh, it's historical fiction, I guess you could say, because in real life, Malcolm X and Muhammad Ali, who at the time was still Cassius Clay, and Sam Cooke, and um, I'm trying to remember who the four— Jim Brown, uh, they all did get together and hang out after um, the famous uh, Cassius Clay fight where he beat Sonny Lipton, Uh, but then they did not, we don't know what they said, so we don't know what they did, we don't know what they said, and so that's essentially what the movie is about is, um, is speculating at how that conversation went.
0: it's the opposite approach is zodiac where they didn't show you anything that they didn't know for a fact was true definitely right
1: but but yeah i thought it was really well done um i'd listened to after we watched it um a podcast that was kind of talking about a little bit more and contrasting it a bit with the stage play so that was kind of interesting to see how that was a little bit different um the acting is great i think that was you know, probably the highlight of it is who they chose to be. Those four roles were uh, excellent actors. Um, probably, Leslie most, yeah, Odom probably Jr. yeah, probably most famous being Leslie Odom Jr. But <laughs> uh, and he was, you know, obviously he's a great choice for somebody like Sam Cook. Um, and it makes sense that you know the acting, especially, would be so stellar with Regina King uh, being the director. But yeah, I think she did a great um, first first you know movie as a director. I th- thought it was a really good production.
0: Right on, Josh. How about you? What have you been watching?
2: Uh, I did. Um, my one of my best friends does his um, birthday marathon every year, and um, we watched about twelve movies, all of which the elevator pitch for would sounds amazing. Uh, the actual execution of all of them kind of varies, <laughs> but um, my uh, my favorite one uh, I saw was uh, I'm going to mispronounce it. Tokkapi Top copy, top copy. <laughs> um, it's a heist movie uh, set in uh, like Istanbul. Um, P- yeah, exactly, uh, <laughs> Peter Ustinov's in it, and um, it is a really good heist movie if you like uh, if you like that kind of thing. Um, uh, another one I that was just worth mentioning is Ruben and Ed. Uh, it's Crispin Glover and Howard Hessman. Uh, oh, that's interesting. In the- <laughs> yes, they, uh, Howard Hessman is a self-help, uh, Like he's part of a pyramid scheme, and he's trying to recruit Crispin Glover, but Crispin Glover only wants to go to the desert and bury his dead frozen cat. Of uh, course. So that is the entire about plot right. of the movie. Yeah. Was it written
0: by Crispin Glover by any chance? <laughs> it, it,
2: it seemed like I would have put money on it that it was, because it is a very Crispin Glover movie. Have you seen um, any of
0: his films?
2: I've only heard by reputation, yeah, oh man, um, yeah <laughs> uh, so but yeah, this is just a taste of it, uh, but yeah,, uh, I can't recommend that one movie, but um, <laughs> it was it was an interesting watch, that's for sure,
0: yeah, it's his movies are like if uh Miranda July and David Lynch got together and decided to get extra pretentious, <laughs> that's a Christmas <laughs> lover movie.
3: All right. Is there a, a for instance, like, I I don't know of any movie that he directed.
0: Oh, I'd have to look on IMDb. Um, But I've, like, I've sent clips from stuff that he's made to people and trailers and things like that to people um, just for the laughs because he makes some really goofy, awful, awful shit. So. <laughs> Aaron, what have you been watching?
3: Uh recently watched the movie The The Wolf in Snow Hollow. Okay. Uh it, it was pretty good. Um listed as horror comedy, but very dry humor. Um pretty solid werewolf movie. Um I definitely suggest people give it a watch if they if they like uh, the horror genre. Um, outside of that, gosh, what have I been watching? Um, not much, really. That, that is about it in the movie for tonight.
0: Well, the Crispin Glover movies, um, I looked up here uh, that he's directed. He did a movie that he wrote and directed called What Is It? That's amazing. And then he did a a semi-sequel to that movie called It Is Fine, Everything Is Fine. Um and he's currently in post production on what IMDB is calling untitled Crispin Hellion Glover Project. <laughs> because Crispin Hellion Glover is what he goes
3: by now.
1: Wow. It's not quite the same oh, ring as John Cougar Mellencamp, but I guess it's his version. <laughs>
3: Why didn't he just go by Willard?
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Christine, what have you been watching?
1: Um,
4: well, I recently watched this documentary. Uh, it kept popping up for me on Amazon because I'd been watching a bunch of random documentaries. And it's called Author, the JT Leroy Story. Okay. Um, and I had never heard about JT Leroy. Apparently, he was uh, an author in the late 90s. It was very popular and like hung out with a bunch of different celebrities and stuff like that. And so I was like, okay, that sounds interesting. And it was fascinating because it was a persona created by a woman. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Turned out to be just another woman like putting on an act sort of and it like caused like this huge scandal in the writing community and among a lot of different people. And there was a movie based on one of her books, uh, that came out called The Heart is Deceitful well, Above All Else or Above All Things, um that Asia Argento directed. Oh wow. Okay. Um so I ended up watching that too. And it was really good. Sweet. So yeah.
0: That sounds like it's worth checking out. Yeah. Um, I have been rewatching The Shield. Um, I got the complete series on Blu-ray and uh am watching it. I've I've made it more than halfway through it and I, I just started it this week, so uh, but I've also been rewatching every episode that has a commentary track, which is roughly half at this point, point. Um, and then uh, getting into the special features, uh, particularly with seasons three, four and five. Now they've done uh, feature length documentaries on the finales of those three seasons. Um, the third season finale, I think, is is the documentary of the third season finale, I think, is the best so far because they actually start in the writer's room. And so you're watching the writers come up with the ideas. You see ideas that don't make it to the screen or ideas that make it to being shot and then cut and editing, um, a bunch of stuff like that. And so it really kind of gives you the, the, uh, soup to nuts, if you will, of how a shield episode gets made and how a season finale, you know, which is usually one of the high points of their, their seasons comes out. So, uh, I love that. I've really been enjoying uh, rewatching that yet again. And it's a highly recommended show. Um, It is very purposefully, not just another cop show. It's not just a procedural show. It's very serialized and very much about the characters, personal lives and emotions um, and how those are informed by the crimes that they are, uh, either investigating or in some cases committing um, rather than being, you know, ripped from the headline style uh, shooting. But um, the way that I got into the shield and the way that I uh, challenge anybody to watch the shield is watch the pilot episode. And if when the credits roll on the pilot episode, you are not fired up to watch the rest of the show, then it's not for you. But pretty much everybody that's taken me up on that challenge has said, yep, you're right. I'm now watching all of this. Um, so that's, that's mostly what I've been doing. Nathan, how about you? Uh,
5: so I did wrap up. I started watching uh, pure last week. Uh, I did wrap up watching that series. It's just six episodes. Uh, I really enjoyed it though. Um, HBO max had terrible sound on a couple of the episodes, Sounded like it was coming through like a tunnel or something, but, um, the soundtrack is really good of the music. Um, and I enjoyed, uh, in general what that was. It's uh, basically I'll, I'll repeat what that was real quick. It's about, um, a woman who moves to London to get away from issues that are going on in her head. Um, and she discovers what those issues are. I don't want to get into too much detail, but it, suffice to say she sees a lot of pervy things and she doesn't want to, and it's pretty stressful for her. So, uh, she's a little off kilter in general. Anyways, it's well cast, that kind of thing. Uh, The other thing, I watched a couple of movies. Um, One was a matter of life and death, which is an old uh, Emmerich Pressburger, Michael Powell movie, which wasn't as good as I was hoping. And then um, I finally bothered to watch a movie. My parents have been recommending for a long, long, long time and got to almost the whole thing. Music Uh, man. Togo. (laughs) Oh okay. Uh, I don't know why they recommended this one to me. Uh, Maybe (laughs) because it's a dog movie, but I really didn't like it. And maybe they just just hate it. (laughs) I don't know. Like I said, I you know, and actually, I quit thirty minutes sort of from the end because I was like, it seemed like it ended, and I'm like, you know, this is just gonna be mushy, mushy, make me want to cry dog stuff that is really by the book, and I'm not impressed, so I'm leaving.
0: So it's one of those ones I would download and speed up in VLC so I could watch it at like hundred and twenty five percent.
1: The yeah, only thing that I thought might drill make, through it. Yeah, the only thing I thought might make a good, although I didn't watch it with Nathan, was the fact it had Willem Dafoe in it. And so I thought that had maybe some promise. And but quite I frankly,
5: I don't think it's one of Willem, Willem Dafoe's might be the worst Willem Dafoe movie I've ever seen. Wow, he let you down as an actor. It was pretty bad. bad. See,
0: on this podcast, we've said that he is he is a sure thing. So, Uh, this might be his uh,
5: with an asterisk. One asterisk (laughs) that means Togo. Now I don't know because it felt like a whole lot of the movie was computer generated and poorly done. So, and that's partly why I just had no engagement in it. Um, I think maybe he was talking to dogs that weren't even there. Maybe who
0: knows um it just that sounds great actually I don't know (laughs) Willem Dafoe talking to dogs that aren't there that sounds Uh like a movie I would watch I mean if if there's a highlight
5: at all I mean the lady who's playing his wife and I can't remember her name right off the top of my head um but it's like maybe the second or third thing I've seen her in she's actually pretty good in it I I enjoyed her uh but that was about
0: it I I just thought it was kind of a lame movie overall and the most painful Willem Dafoe experience I've ever had is still Antichrist, so
3: mm.
5: this has got to be better, worse than that. Got to be worse. It's worse than Antichrist. Well, yeah. I haven't seen Antichrist, but
1: Dale, we oh. have to check it out.
0: Uh, well, you may have to. Maybe, maybe you
5: take the Togo challenge, and I'll take the Antichrist challenge. We'll come back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I think you know what you're getting with Lars von Trier. It's a yeah. "We Can't Have Nice Things" movie, um, so that's kind of how he rolls but yeah i like
5: him so it's probably a good good shot i'll like it
0: yeah yep um so uh our movie suggestion was you can count on me uh it was suggested by nathan we all watched it um and we we came up talking about it because we were doing zodiac and we were kind of talking about um where we first sort of noticed mark ruffalo uh along the way and then nathan you said that Uh, I I just assumed
5: everybody had seen him from that because that was about the earliest I ever remember noticing him. Yep, Uh, that's how it came about. That's how nobody else had seen it. I was like,
0: "What?" (laughs) I think there was one other person on that night that had seen it. Um, I've seen it, but and that might have been that might have been you, and that might have been it. So, Um, for the rest of us, uh, Aaron, what did you think of "You Can Count on Me"?
3: It was uh it was a pretty decent movie. Uh, I struggled to stay involved with it, but I don't think it was a fault of the movie. It's just I've got a lot going on. Um but the the cast was great. The the performances were pretty good. Uh, I love Laura Linney. And Mark Ruffalo is pretty great, and you got Matthew Broderick in there. You really couldn't ask for a better cast. Um, I I really liked that there wasn't an an overarching problem that they were trying to solve. It was just kind of like these people were living their life, and their their lives collided in different ways, and and then you know they dealt with the fallout. It was. It was interesting. Uh, Definitely one I will try to watch again and give it my whole attention. But I I enjoyed it.
2: All right. Josh, how about you? Yeah. um, This is, I've been wondering how to talk about this movie all day um, because I enjoyed (laughs) it too. But it's a slice of life. It's one of those little, you know, let's follow some characters for a brief period of their lives and dip in and out. And, um, uh, like Aaron said, the performances were top notch. The casting I thought was great. Uh, even like Josh Lucas popping up just to be the piece of shit, uh, dad was great. How about Amy um, Ryan?
0: Amy Ryan shows up just to die. Like, that's yeah. that's <laughs> all she does.
4: Yeah.
1: first Like, stay on the, the road. She has <laughs> that joke about the braces.
4: Credit. I loved that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but, uh, like I was trying to think of like deeper themes of the movie, maybe being too tethered to your hometown as opposed to being not connected to your hometown in any way. And the problems, both of those things bring up. Um, but, uh, you know, being from a medium sized town, I couldn't entirely relate, uh, to like everybody knowing everybody else's business. Um, but, uh, Yeah, Ruffalo was great. I can't, I'm shocked. I hadn't seen this before. Um, But I really enjoyed it also.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah, I actually wrote down in my notes like the first note that I wrote was like, Amy Ryan. And then my next note was, dies immediately. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, Christine, what did you think?
4: I thought it was really good. I, uh, from the second that she asks him, like, when was the last time he's been to church I got a little bit of like oh it feels like I'm visiting family (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but then like you get past that and it's like okay it's not just about like that and it was really good I loved the soundtrack I love Steve Earle and I love Loretta Lynn so it was a really great soundtrack and everything and the characters were great
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I was pretty happy with the story. I liked the fact that it wasn't a, a typical three act structure story. And I think they kept the, the momentum was so good. The pacing was so good with the story that it kept you engaged the whole way through. Um, I think a lot of credit for that, uh, should go to the editor and McCabe I think the editing is just wonderful because there are scenes in this movie that are like 20 seconds long and they need to be in the movie and with other people in the editing room or another director they would make a whole they would make a 3 minute scene out of it and this just laser focuses in on this one piece of information you need to know and, and moves on to the next thing and um, particularly after Um, listening to commentary by Sean Ryan and the people that work on post production for the shield. It's like that's sort of their thing too is, you know, it's rare that a scene on that show ever goes more than a couple of minutes. And a lot of them are 20 seconds or less, but a whole bunch of information gets conveyed in that very short period of time. Um, she went on to edit, um, Kenneth Lonegren's other films. Um, and it also has just like a host of, uh, uh, editing credits where you'd be like, Oh wow. She edited all of that. Like she edited the, uh, Tom Hanks beautiful day in the neighborhood and, uh, the, can you ever forgive me movie with Melissa McCarthy? Um, so I, I was really impressed with the, with the editing, uh, from that standpoint. Um, I liked that the, um, that they don't have, they don't like single out, you know, one person as being the flawed person and the other person as the like perfect version. But they also don't make a huge deal out of the fact that Laura Linney's being kind of a hypocrite. Like it's there, it's there in the subtext, but they don't hit you over the head with it. Like he's not confronting her so much with it. He maybe says a line or two, you know, about, Having an affair, you know, while telling him what to do with his life and that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, it it held my attention all the way through, and uh, uh, felt like it didn't. Uh, it didn't ever quite come to a point where I felt like everything had been resolved or everything was okay. But it still felt like, you know, however long this was, like the week in these people's lives. Um, that all of it came together. Uh, Rory Culkin was hit or miss. Uh, he had good scenes. He had bad scenes. Um, Laura Linney's Laura Linney. She's always great. Um, Mark Ruffalo was great. I felt like, um, they used, uh, you know, for, for an early performance from him, they used a lot more of his range than he had been using in other movies by that point. Um, the, uh, the scene where he just kind of breaks down and starts crying after uh, they ask if, you know, she has, says, like, do you need to stay for a little longer or whatever? And um, he's broken up about um, Abby Hoffman, who was like 18 when this movie came out, who's the like suicidal girl that he borrows money from and is sending money back to. Um, I thought all that stuff was, was interesting. Um, I it's, it's hard for me to say um, of the three movies of his, which one I, I like the most because they're, they're kind of drastically different. I think Manchester by the sea is like this, but way sadder and Margaret is like this but way more action and more drama than this so um if you haven't seen those movies this is the most uplifting happy one of the movies he's made so um and he can I'm sure people caught this but he's uh, he plays the priest in the movie that's kind of lauded the director there's the priest. So, um Alicia, what did you think watching it again?
1: I liked it overall. I think um when Nathan picked this movie, I knew I had seen it. I knew who was in it, but I remembered very little from it. And I think that's just something about this plot. It's good. It's it's entertaining, but it's not something that stuck with me and I I can't say Years from now, I'll remember exactly what happened in this movie. I think it's just one of those movies. Um, I think Mark Ruffalo needs more compliments on this podcast because I thought he was the biggest reason to watch this movie. I think he did an amazing job. I, he's he's good in so many movies, but, you know, I, I'm amazed at seeing this one that's pretty early just how different he is in that character than a lot of other characters he plays and than he is in real life. I think, you know, his mannerisms, his gestures, just his look on his face when he's just, just staring out as he often does with the character he has with his mouth open a little bit. You know, those kinds yeah. of little things, I think. I just think he did an outstanding job. I agree. Laura Lenny's always good. There's a lot of great people in this. Um, I just every time I would see him in a scene I was like that was great that was amazing that's, that's an Oscar clip or something you know without it being one at the time but um, you know there's other things I liked about the movie you know every time she shows up for work at the bank I'm, I was entertained because this little you know microaggression conflict going on with Matthew Broderick and you know somebody's computer screen being weird colors and all the post-its on her computer screen that I thought that was really good and, you know, interesting tension with that. And then... Well, and you get he, the
0: feeling that, like, J. Smith Cameron's character, who's like the other woman at the bank... Right. ...is like the one that's actually fucking with everything.
1: Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Well, and, you know, we were talking about... We both watched Succession. And, of course, you've got Rory Colkin and she's in that playing one of the people who's closest to him in that movie. Is kind of a weird mother figure. I'm kind of... Guess who the milking. editor is on Succession. Oh really? No kidding.
0: And McCabe.
1: No kidding. Well, it's a family affair, so um, yeah. So I, I really like the bank scenes. I, you know, some of, uh, Matthew Broderick was good, but I mean, I wasn't really watching it for him. It was, you know, more about this little side thing happening. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, for me, it was it was a great Mark Ruffalo movie, and that's what I got out of it the most.
0: I enjoyed it despite Mar- Matthew Broderick. Yeah. <laughs> I I kind of hate him in in movies. Oh,
1: anymore. okay. All I, right.
0: I, like Ferris Bueller's like the only uh, exception. I'm I'm not a big fan of his. Otherwise, yeah. Um,
5: I think this one came out really close in uh, with Election, and it seemed like he's basically playing the same character to a degree. But I remember that was like the first two adult roles. I felt like he really took on that. I was like, okay, he's a full on adult now.
0: Yeah, I think. Uh, after he killed some people he kind of went on 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 pause as far as his acting goes uh he's kind of the same in everything now um it wouldn't
5: talk about biloxi blues
0: (laughs) no in real life matthew broderick killed some people in a car accident oh um oh Part of so, history I didn't know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so he's he's not quite as as there anymore. Um, but like I could see this this bank manager walking out and becoming Inspector Gadget without a problem. Like it's he just plays the same guy in everything. So uh, as it is uh, tradition on this show. What the hell, Nathan? What's with this movie? Why uh, did you suggest wh- this?
5: Well, I haven't probably seen this in probably 15 years. Um, I've had it on DVD all this time, and I think I watched it with the commentary lovingly way back then, and it's been a while. Um, I remember loving it back then. Um, I couldn't remember precisely why I loved it, aside from I remember the two core performances were just really top top of their game, really. In fact, I, I think this is really pretty high up there for Mark Ruffalo I mean he's he's showing a lot here uh, real early in his career and I I think kind of like what uh, Alicia said I like the fact that he can kind of play this like guy who's not the sharpest tool in the shed but he doesn't play it dumb like he's playing there's something about the way he just kind of pauses to listen before he reacts and then doesn't say the smartest thing but it still sounds smart from him there's 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 an intelligence behind it but it's not the strongest intelligence anyways i think he does that super well Um, yeah there's the
0: scene where they they go to lunch the first time and he's like in a ratty t-shirt and she's kind of dressed up and he's commenting on that And uh, he says, this is the haute cuisine of garments. Mm -hmm. And she goes, what? He's like, never mind. Don't (laughs)
3: don't worry about it.
0: You know, on on rewatch, I
5: will say, I kind of feel like the first 15, 20 minutes or so, it takes a little bit for you to kind of engage with the movie. I don't know if it's just kind of taking its time, getting going, Um, It's not quite as engaging right up front. But once it kind of gets going, it sets this tone with like humor and the editing in particular, like you said, uh, Dale. I mean, there's there's a scene where she goes in. I I think especially when you talk about the Matthew Broderick and her stuff uh, in particular, uh, there's a scene where she goes in his office, closes the door, and then you don't see anything happen. And then you walk out and she's walking out and she... Pulls the twist out of her underwear. And so you know something went down. Uh, you know, And that's all you get as a clue that they messed around in the office. But there it was. They showed something there.
1: They, they kissed. That's right? where they like. That starts, was about like, it. But yeah, you didn't yeah.
5: see it go any further than that. But yeah. that little visual yeah, thing, like thing was just enough to tell her, you but, like, okay, that yeah. went somewhere. Uh, and then uh, there's I, one of my favorite lines in the movie um, is they're both laying in bed and she goes, and she's just kind of marveling at how crazy the situation is. She goes, incredible. And Matthew Broderick just goes, "Ah," oh. And she goes, <laughs> she's that was not what I meant. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just think it's a really smart movie. Uh, I, it's obvious it's it's an early film for Kenneth Lonergan, but I think he learned a lot from it and uh, apparently learned a lot before he got there because he, he was doing some good stuff with it. Um, so I just, I just enjoy the heck out of it.
0: Yeah. Um, one example of like a perfectly edited scene joke thing is, uh, kind of towards the end, they're all sitting there. Uh, the, the three Laura Linney, Mark Ruffalo and Rory Culkin are sitting around the table getting ready to eat dinner. And Mark Ruffalo's character just says, so Sammy, what kind of example will you be setting for us tonight? cut scene over like we, we get the whole point of that, you know, everybody in in that room knows what he's talking about. And (laughs) so,
5: I mean, for what it's worth, one of the things I think is kind of interesting about this movie is, you know, in a lot of dramas, when you see passionate things happening between people that are dealing with whatever they're dealing with, they have these like impassioned speeches that they kind of go through and it goes through, goes by in five minutes and you're done and they put a lot of acting into it in those 5 minutes and it's like they're trying to condense well that's not how life is like if you're having an argument with someone or whatever it's a lot more low key you don't have all this drama all at one spot unless you're just really heated like i don't and i don't know maybe this is other people's lives but to me there's Every a lot more day. low key going on it's a <laughs> lot longer and i feel like one thing this movie kind of does really well is it gives you more of a snippet of those types of conversations as opposed to trying right. to amp it up to a big drama scene None of it's like that.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's it's enough. Yeah. You you get the point, you don't need a a Oscar scene. Right. You know, somewhere in this movie. You don't need this big revelation. Um and I thought, you know, to Christine's point about, you know, when she starts talking about, you know, y- you've lost your religion and do you think that has something to do with where you're at in life and all of that sort of thing. But then she brings the priest over and the priest is like, yeah, man, I mean, just, you know, <laughs> let, it, let it roll. Just believe in something bigger than you. And Markov yeah. was like, yeah, I can do that. That's cool. It's like, oh, this wasn't the intervention we, or Laura <laughs> Linney's character, I don't think, expected it to be.
1: Well, I think the extension of that is when she goes to the priest's office and wants him to basically yell at her for adultery and you know, talk about how sinful it is and all that. And he's like, eh, you know, well, we're not really in that business anymore. But, uh, yeah, she she wanted hardcore, you know, old-timey Catholic church and wasn't getting it.
0: Yeah, going from, uh, well, she wasn't going for Catholic church because uh, it turns out that uh, she's a Methodist. Um, they show the side of the, the church at one point, and it's a Methodist right. church. And as someone who grew up Catholic and is married to a <laughs> Methodist— I can tell you that that's exactly accurate. That's that like Methodists are like whatever's whatever's cool, man. Like God and whatever, (laughs) God and whatever. Like you know, come to church, I guess. I don't know, whatever. And Catholics are like you know, step (laughs) forty-three, step forty-three of the first minute of of church service. Um go oh, okay. Um <laughs> I uh uh made a couple of other uh notes of stuff that I found interesting. Um I love that Mark Ruffalo has a sweet calculator watch. <laughs> that was that was killer. Um and um the uh the biggest joke of the, or the, the biggest laugh the movie got out of me was an unintentional one uh, when the end credits start and uh, the ending credits of this start with the uh, the credit for the unit production manager, which is fairly typical for for movies. They talk about you know kind of the, the big production people first, and then they go back to the cast, and then they go on to the rest of the crew. The unit production manager's name is Jill Footlick.
1: Oh, I know.
0: And I was like, I see.
1: (laughs) Yes, I made a comment about that as well. I said, "Oh, that's unfortunate." Yeah, I I almost fell out of bed laughing. I was like,
0: "They had this, you know, this nice touching moment to to close the movie, and then Jill Footlick pops up." So,
1: well, very shortly, (laughs) I'm going to be Alicia McKinney, and so uh, I did make the comment. I am. If your name was Footlick, I don't think that would have been happening. I think (laughs) I would. I think I would have stuck with Walker
0: yeah definitely yeah well and walker foot look is even funnier
1: oh god <laughs> yeah you
3: definitely should
2: have hyphenated god um, the joke of the movie to me uh, and this was a very wackety schmackity joke um, when she calls Bob and is like what are you wearing and he's like mom uh,
1: that, <laughs> god, that was good yeah, me that up. was good yes. yeah
0: <laughs> yeah Bob played by uh, John Tenney, who I don't know if any of you guys uh, recognized him or, or were familiar with him, but he was uh, the main love interest on uh, the closer with Kira Sedgwick uh, for seven years. And then after she quit that show and they spun the whole they basically just spun the whole show off without her into a n- new show called Major Crimes. Um, he was in a bunch of that as well, but, uh, so when he showed up on the screen, I was like, that looks like a really young version of Fitz from the closer, which I had watched and there's like, I don't know, there's like 180 episodes of him in that role. So between the two shows, it's like, uh, I I think between the two, there's 11, 24 episodes, Seasons, so. Ooh, I like long shows. It's one of my Mm -hmm. things. So, um, as far as recommendations um, based on this, you know, if you saw this and liked it, or, um, uh, you know, wanted wanted to dig in more, uh, I I got little tinges of Richard Linklater in this movie. I felt and and of the three of Kenneth Lonergan movies, this is the most Richard Linklater ish. So if you want to watch like the, the before trilogy or or something along those lines, kind of from the same era, um, those are out there. But I think the movie that I would recommend to people most is Margaret, especially now that you can see it with the director's cut. Um, there's a two-and-a-half-hour version of it that is the theatrical version. And if you go to HBO Max and find that version in the extras, there is the three-hour-and-seven-minute director's cut version of it. Um, The story behind the making of that movie may be more interesting than the movie itself, but it's still a very, very good movie. Um, It's why Kenneth Lonergan took, like, six years between Margaret and Manchester by the sea to make another movie. Um, he was kind of unhirable for a while because he and the studios battled so hard on Margaret and uh, really let uh, Anna Paquin down because uh, she probably should have gotten a uh, an Oscar nomination for her performance in Margaret. She's fantastic in it. By the time it came out, it was like, wait, how did they get, 22-year-old Anna Paquin in this movie. She's like 30 now. Like how the hell did they do that? But it's because the movie took so long to come out. So Um you guys have any recommendations, movies this sort of reminded you of?
5: I kind of thought um it, there's something about the tone kind of reminds me a little bit of Lady Bird. Um Yeah, I can see that. It's it's a totally different story obviously, but it's still kind of just it, it's not over the top. It's just kind of slice of life sort of deal.
0: Yeah. I felt Lady Bird's a lot more, I guess because it's uh, more fo- focused on Own and that it's a more kind of a more focused story. Um, whereas this movie had um, sort of the duality of following it from the Mark Ruffalo perspective and following it from the Laura Linney perspective. Um, so I thought all of that was interesting. Uh, It's uh, it's funny in like in tele in television and a lot of film. uh, They stopped like people stopped really smoking in film and TV around 1989. And this movie came out 11 years later and everybody's just smoking like crazy. Like Mark Ruffalo is smoking in pretty much every scene and even in scenes where like there's no visible ashtray, and he's just like on the floor in Rory Culkin's room reading his, his like, composition book. There's just like I this big seen. shag rug, and he's just sitting mm-hmm. there. So,
3: I would suggest um, there. There's a few movies. Uh, one, Manchester by the Sea. Uh, which I, I thought was really well I good feel like that goes without saying
0: um because that was a best picture nominee and probably a lot of people that would have liked to have seen that movie have probably had the chance to I, I figure
3: at this point um, if you
0: haven't seen Manchester by the sea it's on purpose
3: mistress America with Greta yeah. Gerwig uh that was I, I liked that one quite a bit and it feel it kind of fits in the same mold in a, a much older movie. Uh, well, much older. Um, What's eating Gilbert grape. Oh yeah. Uh, that's a, that's a pretty good one that uh, if if you haven't seen dear God, watch it. It's, it's a great movie. Um, but it, I, I feel like it can fit in this.
0: Yeah. Not so much the future by Miranda July.
3: <laughs> Dear God.
1: Maybe if Laura Linney did like a sweatshirt dancer. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Laura Linney remaking the future would be amazing. I'd gladly replace <laughs> yeah. the cat with, uh, oh from God. Rory Culkin though, I think. I, Just that, bring the cat in.
1: That cat sound still gives me nightmares, my God.
0: <laughs> Laura Linney as the cat. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Laura Linney in the future, but as her character from Ozark.
0: Yeah, there you go. Oh God. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't want to get into Ozark spoilers because I know there's people that haven't seen all of it, but Laura Linney, like your character, your, your character, man. Like you're the worst. You're the absolute worst. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So it's Alicia's turn to suggest a movie. Uh, What would you like for us to watch next?
1: Well, I was kind of batting around several ideas, but I think I ultimately landed on Like Water for Chocolate.
0: Okay. It's been a while for that one. For me too. But yeah, that sounds good. Um, Thanks, everybody, for joining us to discuss uh, the movie. The, The movie that we reviewed called you can (laughs) count on me. Thanks everyone uh, for listening. We will see you on the next episode of the deeply discussing movie podcast.